Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Our imperfect family. Am I the only one that doesn't have a perfect family in the room? Stop pointing. We're going to spend the next several weeks, we started last week, talking about how can we get real about the health of our homes, uh, recognizing that none of us have a perfect family, that we all have our own set of issues and dysfunctions and problems and stuff that happens inside of our families. Regardless of your particular family dynamic, you may be, you know, in a Married with kids, married without kids, blended family, single, single again, want to be married again, never want to see another person of the opposite sex as long as I live. You know, I don't know where you're at, but the truth is we're all in, in a family of some dynamic, and they're all imperfect. I want you to turn your attention to our text. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 and 15. We'll be reading this each week. It says these words, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's kind of where we landed last week. We talked about forgiveness. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I want you to pay particular attention to this next passage. Verse 15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are all called to live in peace and always be thankful. I want to remind you this morning that there is no such thing as a perfect family. You might want to write that down. You might want to remember this Tuesday when life happens, that there's no such thing as a perfect family. Your family, my family, all of us have our own particular set of stuff going on. Um, I, I do want to take some, just, just one more second and remind you of verse 15. Listen, let the peace that comes from Christ, peace that comes from Christ, rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. I, I wonder if you could say along with, with Dwayne that there have been moments in my own home, there's been moments in my own life, in my own family, where peace was fleeting. Has that happened to you? No, just me and you, I guess, baby. Maybe if I use this word, have you ever experienced in your own family, in your own home, conflict? Again, please don't point. Regardless of your family dynamic, listen, conflict happens. Um, Maybe you're... You're relatively newly married. Conflict happens. Maybe you're not married yet. I'm going to tell you, when you walk down the aisle, on the way back down it, conflict happens. Conflict happens in every family. It's inevitable. You might want to write that down. Conflict is inevitable 
Real, really for three reasons. And let me stop just a minute and give you a little disclaimer. I don't expect a lot of amens this morning. But, amen. Thank you. I knew he was going to do that. Here's, here's what my heart for you today is. And, I'm, and Matthew Robertson said it so well. What I want you to leave with today is not just inspiration. I want you to leave with information. I want you to leave with some tools to put in your toolbox because some of you are going to have a conflict in the parking lot about where to eat lunch. I have, I, I've been locking the building up, and there'll be a car. I'm like, what's going on? We just can't decide where we're going to go eat. So I, I, I want you to leave today with some information. And maybe you looked at the bulletin, and you went, oh, my gosh, we're going to be here till 3. I sent Tracy the bulletin outline, and she sent me a text message Friday morning. It doesn't fit. So I know that there's a lot of information. Listen, that's intentional because I want you to leave with some tools in your toolbox. I want you to leave with some tools to help you and your family manage conflict when it happens, not if it happens, because it's going to. All right, here we go. So conflict is inevitable for three reasons. First of all, because we are all human beings. Human beings, we're frail. We're fragile. We're flawed. And the reason there's no perfect family is because it's full of human beings. The reason there's no perfect church is because you and I are parts of it. Conflict's going to happen because we are human beings. The second reason conflict is inevitable is because our world is broken. Turn on the news. I don't actually. It's depressing, right? Our world is broken. The system is broken. It, there, there's, our world's full of conflict. So there's going to be conflict in our families. Our world is full of sin. There'll be sin in our families. Our, conflict is inevitable because we're human, because our world is broken. And maybe most importantly, Conflict is inevitable because we have an enemy. I, I want you to understand this, and I, I'm going to say this. I, you, you guys know me. I, I want you to leave. I like to, I like to speak positively, and I like to, I'm just going to tell you, the enemy would love to kill your family, regardless of what your dynamic is. The enemy would love to, to, to break up your marriage. The enemy would love to, to halt the process of you meeting that perfect mate. That, well, perfect for you mate I got the last perfect one just gonna let that settle a little deposit in the bank of love right there hey you making up the deposit sooner or later you get a withdrawal if you know what I'm talking about <sighs> Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What if that's the only part of the Bible we had and we lived by that verse? What would our world be like if we got rid of all rage and anger and bitterness and slander and we were kind and compassionate to each other? What kind of world would we live in then? 
So I'm going to challenge you, before we go any further, to let that be your ruling authority. That even in the midst of conflict, we're going to be kind and compassionate to each other. Last night, we, we had our Mary Night Live event, and many of you guys were there. And, and it was funny, because one, one of the things we were talking about is how, uh, when we communicate with our spouses, we need to try not to raise our voice. Any yellers in the room? Just be honest. You go, you yell, okay. We try not to raise our voice. And so I got home. And I turned on the Braves game. And, and I sent Tim Johnson a message. I said, okay, that rule about not raising your voice does not apply when you're watching the Braves game. So that's going to meet our ruling authority. We're going to be kind, compassionate to each other. I want you to know that there's different kinds of conflict. First kind of conflict I want to talk about is pointless conflict. And you know what I'm talking about. You come home in a bad mood. She comes home in a bad mood. The kids come home in a bad, bad mood, and it's just a powder keg. I'm going to tell you about pointless conflict. Pointless conflict is typically circumstance-driven. In other words, it really... Maybe it's just me and you, baby. I don't know, but have you guys ever had an argument in your household and have no idea what you're arguing about? <laughs> Guess what? That's a circumstance-driven, pointless conflict. If, if the kids come home and they're frustrated or, you know, the, the dog won't quit barking and the cat's screaming and the parakeet's chirping and just, do parakeets chirp? It's pointless. It, it's circumstance-driven. It has little or no significance, and it doesn't mean anything. It's just conflict for conflict's sake. Am I right? That's the first kind. Now, how many know that all conflict isn't bad? You're looking at me funny. All conflict isn't bad because the second kind of conflict is purposed conflict. And that's not driven by circumstance. Pointless con a purposed conflict is driven by conviction. There's something wrong that God needs to heal. There's something wrong that by, with the help and grace and mercy of Christ, we need to fix in our family. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. It's driven by conviction. I'll give you an example. Those of you that have been coming to Mary and I Live for some time, this will not be a new example for you. Those of you that came to my Financial Peace University class that I taught a couple times, this will not be a new story to you, but for some of you it might be. But it bears repeating. Um, up until the, we moved here to Loganville, when we moved back to Loganville, my wife took care of the finances in our home because she's much better at it than I am because her post-high school education was all in accounting. So she knew how to balance ledgers and, and do numbers. And I, I'm not great at that. Well, I come home one night, not too long after we moved back, and she's sitting on the floor in our living room in, the in front of the couch, bawling, and there's bank statements and, and bills surrounding her, and she's crying and I'm like baby what's wrong are we bankrupt what's going on and she's like I can't get the bank statement to balance this was back when people actually balanced bank statements and I and and so I'm 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 panicking and I said what uh how far off are you and I'm thinking we are hundreds of dollars in the hole and she said 17 cents And she's distraught, 
and broken, that was a conflict. Here's how I resolved that conflict. Well, two ways. First thing I did is I went to my chest of drawers and looked up on the top, and I dug two pennies, a nickel, and a dime, <laughs> handed it to her and said, let's move on with our lives. <laughs> the second thing we did, I said, I said darling, I, it, it, it pains me to see you this way. So here's what, what's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm going to take care of this from now on. And she went, <laughs> right. And, and I said, no, 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 really. I, 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 don't, want, I, don't, want, I don't want you to, to have to do this anymore. I, I don't want you to have to feel this way. I don't want you to carry this kind of stress. You've got enough on you. Let me do it. She said, but we promise to pay the house payment. <laughs> and, and because it, that was a conviction I had, I, I, I can't let her continue going down this path. Now, there was, a, there was a conflict there, but it had a purpose on the other side of it. Some conflict is good. If conflict changes behavior, and it changes perspective, and it changes direction, it's a good thing. And so I don't want you to get, get caught up in the idea that just because there's conflict in your house, that it's necessarily a bad thing, because it might be, it might be the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, y'all need to change some stuff. So... So just as there's different types of conflict, there are different responses to conflict. I can look at y'all and tell how some of you respond to conflict, right? Anybody throw things? Don't raise your hand, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Three responses. Uh, number one is flight. Um, can I just be honest? That's me. I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation. I've had to learn, especially in my role here as a pastor, that doesn't work all the time. In fact, it rarely works. In fact, oftentimes if I run away, the problem gets worse. How many know when you run away, it's always waiting on you when you get back? So let's call the flight response peace faking. That's where we deny that there's a problem. That's when we sweep the conflict under the rug and just let it move on to another day. We just ignore it. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this with all the humility I can find. Um, if that's your response, ask the Lord to help you grow in that. Because ignoring a conflict is never going to make it go away. In fact, the, the opposite is typically true. You ignore it long enough and it swells and it grows. You, you sweep it under the rug long enough, and all of a sudden you can't walk on the rug anymore because there's so much baggage underneath it. Um, I, let me say it this way, and, and you, you might have heard this, if you, some of you that come on Wednesday nights. Peacemaking and peacekeeping are not the same thing. Peacekeeping is an attempt to keep the, keep the volume down. And, and while there's some validity in wanting the volume down, it typically doesn't resolve any problems. And see, what we do when we, when we try to avoid conflict is we bury ourselves in other stuff. I remember there was a time when, uh, when I, I worked for um, an office equipment company, and our, our hours were Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. It was 
set in stone, that's, that's when we worked. I, I remember thinking on Friday afternoon, man, here it comes. A couple more hours, and it's, I'm going home for the weekend, going home for the weekend. And I noticed that there was a whole group of guys that every Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock went to the same little tavern down the street from our office. And I never could understand that. I never understood, why, why are you going there instead of going home? I'm, I am counting the hours to go home to see my good-looking wife and my two beautiful kids. And then I understood something. Some, some folks are, are extending that day because they don't like what they're going home to. And, and if that's you this morning, listen to me. If you're burying yourself in work to avoid the stuff at home, if you're burying yourself in hobbies, if you're spending way more time on a golf course than you are around the din- dinner table, if you're doing that to avoid conflict, I'm going to challenge you. Don't just, don't fake peace, make peace. So, so flight's the first response. Fight is the second response. We'll call that peace breaking. That's when we attack each other. That's when we get so defensive about whatever the conflict is, we get loud. And unfortunately, in, in some homes it becomes violent. And you may never know it. And, and I'm going to tell you that if, if that's your response, if you're, if, if you're an attacker, that, that sounds harsh. Well, I guess it kind of is supposed to sound harsh. If, if, you're, if you learn how to attack with your words, with, a, with your attitude, sometimes you can attack without saying a word, just with your disposition. I'm going to challenge you to not be, first of all, a peace faker, not to be a peace breaker, But the right response is not flight or fight. The right response is to be a peacemaker. That's where healing and restoration and confession and forgiveness happens. I'm going to tell you on either either side of the conflict, if we're a peace breaker or a peace faker, the, the conflict stays right where it's at or grows. The only way to resolve a conflict is for there to be a peacemaker in the house. So here's what we have to do. We have to define the conflict. I, I asked you if you've ever had a conflict with somebody in your household and had no idea what, you were, what the conflict was about, and everybody nodded their heads. Why does that happen? How is that even possible? It's possible because we bring a lot of trash from outside the home into the home, right? So here's the first thing we're going to ask. As we try to define the conflict, we're going to ask this question. Who's involved? Let me tell you what that means. Has this ever happened in your home? Somebody comes home, mom, dad, kid, grandma, uncle, aunt, whoever, walks in the house, and because there was a conflict they had with somebody else, there's now a conflict in your home. Or let's, let's talk about children. Have you ever had a conflict with one of your children, and all of a sudden you're arguing with your spouse? Why is that? Because we haven't stopped long enough to go, who's really involved in this process? Who's involved in this conflict? Um, Maybe I'll say it like this. I don't need to let a conflict I'm having with one person create one with somebody else. So a a good thing to do is stop and say, all right, who's really involved in this conflict? Is it me and you or is it you and somebody else? And oftentimes, it's, it may be somebody that's not even in the room. 
So that's the first thing we're going to ask, is, is who's involved. And oh, by the way, I'm not telling you that it's not okay to involve somebody else in the conflict. All right? Because sometimes there needs to be help. You, you need to have a mediator. You need to have somebody that loves both of you that can help you resolve a conflict. That's okay. It's not okay to involve somebody to vent or to gain an advantage. So can, can I just say it like this? Don't gripe about your husband on Facebook. Don't gripe about your wife. Don't gripe about your kids in a public forum. I, I can think of almost nothing more damaging than throwing your business for all the world to see. Now listen, I'm not telling you to be secretive. I'm telling you that keep conflict where conflict belongs. It don't belong on Facebook. It don't belong on Instagram. Look how mad my wife is. <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm just telling you. So the first question I'm going to ask is, who's involved? How many of you know when you involve the wrong people, conflict starts a spider web? It just, it just goes on and on and on and on. Who's involved? Who's involved? Look at somebody and say, who's involved? The second thing you're going to ask is, what's the goal in the middle of this conflict? And I'm going to tell you, and I told them this last night, um, I'm a competitive person. I like to win. I like to win. It doesn't matter what the game is. I want to win. Is it, do I have any kindred spirits in the room? Yes, a couple of you. I like to win. But, but who, who, wins that, who wins that conflict in your, in your house? Nobody. Those, those pointless conflicts we talked about earlier, most of the time that's the goal, to win. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. What's the goal? Is it, is it to win? Is it to change somebody's behavior? Change somebody's mind? No, I'm going to tell you what the goal is. The goal is always, in every, in every conflict, the goal is always resolution, reconciliation, and restoration. Resolution. Let's get it fixed. Reconciliation. That's where confession and forgiveness comes in. And, and oh, by the way, in, in this, we, we don't have time to camp out here. But, but confession and forgiveness that aren't genuine might as well be kept. It, don't confess to something just because you're trying to hurry the process along. Don't confess to something just because you don't want to deal with the issue. That's, that's a peace faker. Resolution, get it fixed. Reconciliation, that's confession and forgiveness and restoration. You know what restoration is? Let's work together and make sure this doesn't happen again. Let's, let's work together to make sure this doesn't happen. Let's get on our face before the Lord and make sure this doesn't happen again. Amen. Goes always resolution, reconciliation, and restoration. All right. Here's the next thing you're going to ask. The next question you're going to ask is what's the issue? What is the real issue? What are we really arguing about? What does this conflict really entail? It's so easy. It's so easy to let the circumstances of our life. It's so easy. Let me say it this way. It's so easy to let the circumstances outside our home create conflict inside our home. 
And, and I'm going to tell you what might happen. When you really start trying to figure out what the real issue is, you'll find out that the issue is not in your house at all. It's, it's outside. But you'll never know that if you don't go to the trouble to define what's happening. If, to ask questions, why, 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 darling, why, what, tell, me, tell me what's upset you. I, I've learned to ask this question when Donna's frustrated with certain things. You, you want me to fix it or you just want me to listen? You know what she always says? Every time. Just listen. Just listen. What's the issue? So in our time that we have left, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to define some steps to take to resolve this conflict, to resolve conflict in our homes. Now listen. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an expert in, in marriage and family dynamics. I'm, I'm not. Um, I, I have been married 33 years. I did raise two very strong-willed young men who married incredibly strong-willed young women. I'll never forget the first time we were all in a room together. And I thought, oh, this is going to be nice. And quiet, and we're, we're going to sit around the table, and we're going to play a card game, and it's going to be so peaceful and Norman Rockwell-ish. <laughs> I was incorrect. <laughs> because little did I know that my sons both married competitive women. And so we played Uno. And both of my next-door neighbors moved the next day. So, um, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I'm going to tell you something, and, and I don't mean this, you can't stay married 33 years and not figure out how to resolve conflict. How about 60, Bill and Connie? They need to be up here teaching this lesson. 50, Larry, Bonnie, you guys 50 yet? 47. Brenda and Zach, 50 years. They've never had a conflict in, their, in 50 years. <laughs> but I promise you, these guys have been married a long time. I've learned some of these tools. And, and if, if how, Kathy and John, how long have you guys been married? 47. You laugh at conflict. Well. All right, here we go. Here's some steps to resolve conflict number one check your perspective check whoa 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 D did i say check her perspective check your perspective in other words am i approaching this as a peace faker a peace breaker or a peacemaker in other words jesus would have probably said it like this get the log out of your own eye before you try to fix somebody else's deal right check my perspective um, and then maybe I can look at her perspective because, I, fellas, I want to tell you something. And, and, and if you've been married more than a little while, you probably figured this out. But perception is reality. Okay, let me say it like this. If she thinks there's a problem, there's a problem. <laughs> and here's, what the, here, here's a great piece of advice. Do this. Baby, Donna comes to me and says, 
Baby, we need to talk. No, we don't. <laughs> Try that. I got two couches at my house. You can have one of them. <laughs> Doesn't work. So check your perspective. Number two, check your motives. Is my motive healing and reconciliation, or am I just trying to prove a point? Is my motive finding God's plan or getting my way? Is my motive glorifying God or celebrating Dwayne in all of his rightness? Check your motives. Listen, I, 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 want, I want to be very real with you. I don't want to paint a picture like the lighthouse is conflict-free and always has been. Because that would be a lie. In fact, most of what I'm teaching you this morning is, comes from Dwayne doing it wrong. I, 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 I do have this part of my personality that likes to be right, that likes to win. And I, I learned the hard way that, that handling conflict incorrectly with my wife, with my children, with my, my daughters-in-law, handling conflict incorrectly, it, it, it's never productive. And the only way I'm going to do it the correct way is to do it God's way. And what I feel like I'm giving you today is God's plan. Check your motives. Check your perspective. And, and here's, please help me with this, because I, you, some of you are going to push back on this. Um, and, and, and what I'm going to talk to you about is, is generally the truth. Now, there are going to be exceptions to this rule that I'm getting ready to give you. But I want you to do this, to trust the motives of others, especially those that you live in, a, in the same home with. Uh, typically, those that you live with are people of general goodwill. In other words, they're not just trying to get on your nerves. Because listen, if I want to, I can get on her nerves. I know where her buttons are and I know how to push them. Shall I prove it to you all? I'm gonna, because it's, here we go. Let me stand over here. Most of my extended family is from rural South Carolina. And if you live in rural South Carolina, you have a different dialect than most southern people, okay? For instance, if, if you go out to the parking lot and your car doesn't start, what is typically dead? What they're going to say is, your battery's dead. I'm like, buy a vowel. <laughs> buy a vowel. All right? And, and <laughs> Angie liked to buy a vowel. Huh? Here's, here's, here's another example. If, uh, if you're filling out, if, if you're writing your name and you're a married woman... And you write M-R-S, period. How do, you, how do you pronounce that M-R-S? Mrs., right? No, 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 no. Let me finish. Let me finish. My mom always said, Mrs. And so if I just want to get on her nerves and push her buttons, I'll say, come here, Mrs. Lipe. She hates it. So listen, I can, I can get on her nerves if I want to. And, 
And, and honestly, the reverse is also true. And there are times when I do just that, but most of the time. There are times when you know how to get on whoever's nerves that you live in, right? You know how. Most of the time. You, you live with people who are typically people of goodwill. Trust that. Trust the fact that just because you're in the middle of a conflict doesn't mean they're just out to get you. Doesn't mean they're mean. Doesn't mean that they're, they're insensitive. Doesn't mean they're just trying to make you mad and stir up trouble. Typically, we're motivated by goodwill. And listen, I have, in, in the middle of conflict, if I can remind myself that, you know what, she really does love me. And, and she really does want to look out for my, my, the health of our home and my, maybe this will help you explain. I, I, I pushed a, an issue in our home under the rug for a long, long time. And then finally one day, it just, it just exploded. I, I, I swept it under the carpet. I just, just grinned and bore it. Because for a long, long, long time, my wife was bringing home turkey bacon. And, and finally, one Saturday morning at our family breakfast, I had just, I'd, I'd had enough. I, I, could no longer, I could no longer take the turkey bacon fiasco. Because you can call it whatever you want to, but that ain't bacon. Can I get a witness from somebody? And I said, baby, I, I love you. Never bring that in the house again. It's awful. And she went, it's just as good as regular bacon. I said, get out of my house. You have to leave. You, no, you cannot say those words. It's not the same. It's not the same. Now, was she bringing that bacon in my house? Does this tick me off? No. You know what she thought she was doing? Taking, she was trying to extend my life. But it, the truth is, I, I don't want to live without bacon. But her motives were in the right place, right? She's, she's not just doing it because she's trying to deprive me of the goodness that is real bacon. She's trying to look out for me. You know why? Because typically, we're people of general goodwill. We're not just trying to irritate each other. We're human beings who are flawed. We're human beings who are frail and fragile, and we make mistakes. But listen... Don't, does it not change your perspective when somebody does something that's an offense, but they do it with the right motive? Yes, 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 yes. All right. Let's go on. The next little step I want you to take is to focus on today's conflict. Garth Brooks. How did, I, how did that come up? <laughs> We go, oh. he, he used to have a song that said, we bury the hatchet, but leave the handle sticking out. Now, there's a lot of profound truth in that, isn't there? We want to dig up stuff that happened last week, last month, last year, and I'm going to tell you that the only way to resolve today's conflict is keep it in today. All right? That's a, listen, I, I'm moving on, but that's a good tool. Focus on today. Focus on today. Let, let yesterday, guess what? You, ain't nothing you can do about yesterday. Don't bury the hatchet and leave the handle sticking out. 
All right, here we go. Here's your next one. Watch your mouth. Come on, somebody. Let's, let's just not... I wish I would have started what I'm getting ready to tell you at day one of our marriage. At day one of our children coming into the world. Here's what I determined to do. And I think it's a great tool. I don't ever want to say words to my spouse, to my children, honestly to anybody, but especially my family, to my spouse, to my children, to my daughters-in-law. I don't want to say words with a tone that if somebody else said them would make me mad. Does that make sense? I don't want to speak to, to anyone really, but especially my family, in a tone that if you did it to them, I'd, I'd be mad at you. I don't want to talk to my children in a tone that if you talk to them w- would, would make me upset. I don't want to talk to my wife in a way that if you did it, it'd make me mad. I want to use words of life and peace. Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Can I just say it like this? If we're, if we're Christian people, we need to be aware of how we speak to each other. I don't care if the doors are closed and nobody else can, understands what's going on. Nobody else hears it. We need to be very aware of how we're speaking to one another, especially those of us in, in, that you call family. I mean, we really need to do that anyway, right? right. Don't we need to treat each other in... With, with words that, are, that, that build people up instead of tear people down, watch. Let's watch our mouth. All right. We're going to go through these next couple pretty quickly, okay? I told them in the prayer room, I was like, sometimes um, I, get, I, I get one of these messages that's got a whole lot of information, and what I tend to do is to come out here and try to feed it to you like, a, like out of a fire hose, and I don't want to do that today, but I've had way too much caffeine. So, so uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to go through these next few pretty quickly. Uh, watch your mouth. Watch your emotions. And In fact, you, you need to keep an anger meter in your brain. The Bible says it this way. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I, I, I think what, what Scripture is teaching us is that we need to be in control of our emotions. How many times have you heard somebody say something like this? I just lost control. Well, whose fault is that? Don't don't blame your outburst. Don't blame your uh, rage. Don't blame your anger on anything else but your own lack of controlling it. Uh, and will, it, will it take the grace of God? Absolutely. Will it take the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. One of the fruits of the Spirit we talked about in Galatians is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control self-control watch your emotions here we go be a peacemaker jesus said it this way blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called the children of god i want to make sure you understand When I say the word peacemaker, peacemaker doesn't mean you're a doormat. 
doesn't mean that you have to not stick to your guns about something that you have a conviction about. It means that your goal is for you and your family to live like we read with the peace of Christ. And, and listen, all right, l- let me see married people. Married people, um, that role may change day to day. See, I, I might be the peacemaker today, and it might be her tomorrow, but there needs to be a peacemaker. What happens is, when it gets bad is when neither one of us decide we're going to be a peacemaker. Right? Then, we're, then there's trouble. Right? Be a peacemaker. If your goal is peace, it'll dictate your response, and it'll keep your emotions in check. That's your goal, peacemaker. And last, not lastly, but the, the last little step here we're going to talk about is to seek If you can't reconcile, if you can't resolve the conflict, the worst thing you can do is to just ignore it and walk away. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a time for that, to say, all right, we're not getting anywhere, let's come back to this tomorrow. I don't recommend it, but there's some validity there. Just don't let tomorrow become a week and a month and years, and all of a sudden there's this big pile of resentment in your soul for your spouse or your children. If, if you can't resolve it, then seek godly counsel. Find somebody that you trust. Find somebody you know is going to point you to Scripture and to, and to prayer and to, and to God's way of doing things. Right. Seek godly counsel. In fact, Proverbs 13 says it this way. Pride leads to conflict. I, I, I've talked to especially a lot of men. I'm not beating you up, guys, but this is the truth. I, I don't want nobody knowing my business. I get it. I understand. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Find somebody that you trust, somebody that can point you to God's way of doing things. And the last thing we're going to talk about today, and, and honestly, this is the most important thing I'm going to talk about today. None of these other tools, all of these other tools, pale in comparison to the power of this last tool that I'm going to give you. Never underestimate the power of of prayer. I, I love to make this challenge to couples that, that may come to us for it, going through a difficult season. Don't go to bed tonight until you pray together out loud. It's awkward. I'm not going to lie, it's awkward, isn't it? It is so hard to be mad at somebody that you're praying for. It's so hard to have conflict with somebody that you're calling on God to intervene in your relationship. And oh, by the way, what happens when we call on the God of the universe to intervene on our behalf? Why would God not answer that prayer? Here's here's what Scripture says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. That's the word, which exceeds anything we can ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Pray, pray, pray together. Talk to God about your conflict. Talk to God about your relationship. Oh, by the way, don't wait until there's conflict to pray. I'm going to leave you today with uh, words of a, 
wordsmith and great theologian. Uh, his name is Luke Bryan. <laughs> he said, time is tight and money's short. Rivers up and the weatherman, he's calling for another storm. Pressure's on, the margin's thin. Got to figure out a fix for this awful fix I'm in. Oh, mama, what am I going to do? She said, child, there's only one thing you can do. Don't worry about nothing. Let it go. See what tomorrow brings. Don't worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Prayer in a moment can change what years of conflict won't. There is conflict in your home. Before you do any of these other steps I've talked about, hold hands with your spouse. Hold hands with your children. We're going to talk to God and watch him work. Donna, come on up. The ultimate goal, if, if our passage of Scripture is correct, and I believe it is, the ultimate goal is peace. And I want you to hear this. You'll, you'll never have peace with others. You'll never have peace with your spouse. You'll never have peace with your, with your children, with your parents, until you have peace with yourself. So nobody's looking around. Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I, I firmly believe that you'll never have peace with yourself until you have peace with God. You'll never be at peace with God until you know the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. And if you don't know him today, I would invite you to receive him into your heart, into your life. Surrender every part of you, every conflict, every sin, every offense to the Prince of Peace. See, what I believe is that Jesus stepped in the middle of our conflict. See, the Bible tells us that we were at conflict not with each other but with God because we'd broken His laws. The Bible says we were at enmity with God. We were at conflict with God. And oh, by the way, if you're in a conflict with God, guess who wins? Because <laughs> he's God. But because God is a peacemaker, he did what only he could do, and he sent his son, the Prince of Peace, into the middle of our conflict. The Bible says that the stripes that were on Christ purchased our peace and I need you to know that what he did for you and for me on the cross of Christ was enough to not just buy peace between you and God but to purchase peace for you and your family Jesus is enough I'm not saying you'll never have another conflict I'm telling you that if you'll put Jesus in the center of your home, in the center of your marriage, in the center of your family, I'm going to tell you that he'll lead you down a path toward peace. 
He'll convict you when your emotions get out of check. He'll draw you unto Himself when you become selfish and self-centered. And so I, I think the, the right thing to do to end this service today would be give you an opportunity if, if the Prince of Peace isn't Lord of your life that you would make Him today. So I'm actually going to pray for you twice before we leave. If you're here and the Prince of Peace isn't Lord of your life, I want to pray for you. And while I'm praying for you, here's what I want you to do. Just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross of Calvary and that you rose again three days later. Would you forgive me? Would you fill my life with peace? I believe if you'll pray a prayer like that, that God will honor it. And you'll begin a relationship with Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Father, in Jesus' name, God, there's some of us today that are making you Lord of our life, the Prince of Peace. Forgive us of our sin. Wash us, cleanse us, help us to be aware of the times we break your law and and go down a path that would take us far from you. Forgive us of our sin and cleanse us and help us to live a life that models the way you lived when you were here. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you're here today and, and you can get near your family, if you're, you're here with your family, if you're here by yourself, somebody's going to adopt you. And I, I just... Yeah, if, if you got to move around, move around. I want you to get with your family. Do it quickly, though. That's all right. Grab a hand. I, I, I just... I just I just felt compelled to pray for families this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we are broken people in a broken world. But God, thank you that you're in the center of our homes. So God, I pray for every conflict. I pray for every struggle. I I pray, God, that, that everything in our homes that doesn't look like you, God, you would redeem. And God, you'd help us become a people who are actively pursuing you and your purpose and plan for our lives and for our family. God, I pray that your blessings just surround every family. Would it just cover, your grace and mercy would cover every family. God, I just pray that as humbly as I know how, God, that you would do a great work in every family represented here today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give somebody in your family a big hug.